dear Father in heaven, praise be unto your name for giving us the privilege of life. We know that we are undeserving of it and it is not because of our goodness or holiness that you've given to us this blessing. It is for your own faithfulness towards us. Lord, we pray that the lives which you have given to us shall be used to glorify your name and not to bring sorrow to heaven. We ask, Father, that you consecrate us to your service and that you give us grace and strength to do your will. Speak to us now, dear Lord, as we fellowship with you. Grant to us of your spirit and put your words in my mouth that the words may be spoken as spirit and life to all who would listen, that we may be built up and strengthened in the Lord. Do this and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, May 20 Like everyone else Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 19 and 20 The Hebrews demanded a king of Samuel, like the nations around them. By preferring a despotic monarch to the wise and mild government of God himself, by the jurisdiction of his prophets, they showed a great want of faith in God and confidence in his providence to raise them up rulers to lead and govern them. The children of Israel, being peculiarly the people of God, their form of government was essentially different from all the nations around them. God had given them statutes and laws and had chosen their rulers for them. And these leaders, the people were to obey in the Lord. In all cases of difficulty and great perplexity, God was to be inquired of. Their demand for a king was a rebellious departure from God, their special leader. He knew that a king would not be best for his chosen people. If they had a king whose heart was lifted up and not right with God, he would lead them away from him and cause them to rebel against him. The Lord knew that no one could occupy the position of king and receive the honors usually given to a king, without becoming exalted and their ways seem right in their own eyes, while at the same time they were sinning against God. God had separated the Israelites from every other people to make them his own peculiar treasure. But they, disregarding this high honor, eagerly desired to imitate the example of the heathen. And still, the longing to conform to worldly practices and customs exists among the professed people of God. As they depart from the Lord, they become ambitious for the gains and honors of the world. Christians are constantly seeking to imitate the practices of those who worship the God of this world. Many urge that by uniting with worldlings and conforming to their customs, they might exert a stronger influence over the ungodly. But all who pursue this course thereby separate from the source of their strength. Becoming the friends of the world, 
they are the enemies of God. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Like Everyone Else. After Samuel had judged the children of Israel for some time, it happened that this incident of the Israelites demanding a king came to play. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 8, reading from verse 1, it says, And it came to pass, when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abia. They were judges in Beersheba, and his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And here is where we see the demand made by the children of Israel, saying, Make us a king. Why was it that the children of Israel never had a king? God called Abraham out of Babylon. He didn't call him out as a king over his family. And when his family began to increase, there was Isaac and his two sons. And his two sons gave birth to many other sons. And in Jacob's own family, where Israel actually is, because Israel represents the family of Jacob. But the spiritual meaning of Israel, of course, is anyone who has the victory over their sins. But having said that, Israel, Jacob's family, is what the children of Israel is. And these people, they are a family. And now, they are looking for a king for their family. It was never God's intention for them to have kings to rule over them. The whole system of having kings to rule over people is not God's way of working. God wants to have direct communication with his people and for the sake of not having a terrible influence spreading like wildfire God has never been in support of one man being the mind for others having kings in the nations or even today modern day kings which are called GOs general overseers and it's not God's intention for that to happen because when one man rules over others when the person makes a mistake, many people follow suit. But when they were judges like Samson and Samuel, Jephthah, Ehud, Othniel and the rest of them, they were not kings. The advantages and privileges of a king was not given to the judges. The judges were just mere men like every other person. But the people are the ones who knew that when God magnifies himself through certain people, they just know that okay, God is walking through this person because God has magnified himself through that particular person. When Samuel prayed for them and the Philistines were destroyed as we saw in our previous devotions, in our previous devotion, it was the evidence clearly that God had appointed Samuel as a judge for them. When Samson conquered the Philistines, instead of them to back Samson as a judge, they, they didn't really do that for Samson, but God had appointed Samson. When Ehud conquered the nations that were uh, that, that were ruling over them at the time and also Jephthah and Gideon and Deborah and uh, Barak all these people God appoints them and gives them signal victories and through those victories the people know 
that God is with this person and that is their leader. And the leader is a judge. It's not necessarily someone who is a king. And there's a difference between the two. And this was God's manner of working with his people. Just like he did with Moses. Moses was like a judge, but we know that Moses was more than a judge, more than a prophet in fact. He was a messenger of God. So this was the way God worked with his people and he had good reasons for doing that to stop bad influences because when there's a king, their word is law and whatever they say people must do. So what will happen when a king says the wrong thing? Everybody must follow suit. So that's why God never wanted a king. But for the people, why was it they requested for a king? It says in Conflict and Courage, page 146, paragraph 3, it says God had separated the Israelites from every other people to make them his own peculiar treasure. But they, disregarding this high honor, eagerly desired to imitate the example of the heathen. So that's where the problem is. They eagerly desired to, ex- to imitate the example of the heathen. And still, the longing to conform to worldly practices and customs exists among the professed people of God today. End of quote. What led to the choosing of a king among Israel was their downward slope into worldliness. Step by step, they broke barrier after barrier. From one point to another, they were rejecting God. Conformity to worldly customs has a charming power. They chose to follow the popular things happening around them. They were tired of being odd and singular. They were tired of being different. They wanted to be like everyone else. That was their own words. Hear it for yourself. 1 Samuel chapter 8, reading from verse 5. And they said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. So where did they learn about kings? Where did they copy this idea and practice of having kings from? It was not a message from God. It didn't come to their own imagination just like that. They didn't learn it from God, but they said, we are looking at the other nations. They have kings. Let us have, let us have kings for ourselves. It was a craze to follow after the world. But like I said, it started step by step, breaking one barrier after another. These were people who would take the gods of the heathen and have them for themselves, build gods for themselves to worship. These were people who would, like the other nations, also dress like them. Remember, Achan took the Babylonish garment. These were people who would break the barriers of their own manner of worship. It's not just to have the idol of God, but also the style of worship they were copying the other people. Remember, Gideon's father had an altar erected to Baal. Also, if you read the book of Judges, there was a man there called Micah from the tribe of Ephraim. He built for himself an altar and also had effort to himself. When the children of Dan in the book of Judges were able to conquer a place for themselves and they resided there, they also they built an altar for themselves to worship. The styles of worship also was not in harmony with the way of God. Barrier after barrier was broken until finally they got to this point where they now started to copy the structure. They were not just copying the practices now. Before, it was just copying little by little. Items from the other nations, let's just call it the other churches, they look there and say, oh, they have this altar that is like this, let's copy it. They have this God that is like this, let's copy it. The style of worship is like this, let's copy it. Now, it had gotten to a higher level. They now said, let us copy their structure, their system of hierarchy and their system of governorship. So they were going to change their system of governorship now. From theocracy, they were going to change to a monarchy. And this was not God's plan for them. 
it is this same craze that is in the world today. Christians love to follow the fashions of the world. Reading from Mind, Character and Personality, Volume 2, page 560, paragraph 1, it says, When the practices of the people do not come in conflict with the law of God, you may conform to them. If the workers fail to do this, they will not hinder their own work, but they will place stumbling blocks in the way of those for whom they labor and hinder them from accepting the truth. End of quote. So, when the things done in the world is not contradicting or conflicting with the law of God, there's nothing wrong in doing it. But there's everything wrong in copying the world when what you are copying is not in harmony with the word of God. Reading from Prophets and Kings, page 178 paragraph 1 it says the prevailing spirit of our time is one of infidelity and apostasy a spirit of avowed illumination because of a knowledge of truth but in reality of the blindest presumption human theories are exalted and placed where god and his law should be satan tempts men and women to disobey with the promise that in disobedience they will find liberty and freedom that will make them as gods there is seen a spirit of opposition to the plain word of God, of idolatrous exaltation of human wisdom above divine revelation. Men have allowed their minds to become so darkened and confused by conformity to worldly customs and influences that they seem to have lost all power to discriminate between light and darkness, truth and error. So far have they departed from the right way that they hold the opinions of a few philosophers so-called to be more trustworthy than the truths of the Bible. The entreaties and promises of God's word, its threatenings against disobedience and idolatry, these seem powerless to melt their hearts. A faith such as actuated Paul, Peter and John, they regard as old-fashioned, mystical, and unworthy of the intelligence of modern thinkers." End of quote. Does that describe our day? Yes, not just describing our day in the sense of the world, but it describes our day in the sense of the church. What are some of the examples of these ideas that the church is upholding today by copying the world, thinking that Paul, the faith that actuated Paul and Peter and John is old-fashioned, mystical, and it is not intelligent enough for today's modern thinkers. Uh, one that comes to my mind mostly is in the conduct of our dress. When you tell people, especially when you tell the ladies, look at the Bible and what it says on how to dress, what will they tell you? Please, I'm not old-fashioned. Don't take me to that old time religion when you talk to them about the truth concerning the creation of god's word today now they are talking about theistic evolution because today's intelligent mind cannot agree that the world was created in six days not just this our world but the heavens and the earth the stars and the sun and the moons and all that is in them in the heavens they were all created in six days and then some people trying to restrain their christianity but yet still be a modern thinker will tell you hmm, then maybe it is theistic evolution it is still billions of years but the evolution be, the big bang be, be began with god and that's how it is and then there's still some other ideas that is actually held by many christians but yet not taught but in practice you see it and it is racism the belief that some race is superior to another race i know that's not everybody that has this belief i do not accuse every white man of being a racist but the fact still remains that there are some of them who are 
who has this belief that the white race is a superior race and that's still part of the intelligence of the modern thinker and then there's a wokeism that's going on in our world today that has to do with the gender though they won't follow the word of god the faith that actuated paul peter john it's too it is too old-fashioned it's not woke enough today wokeness is now looking looked at as intelligence but the truth in all honesty is one of the dumbest things that man has ever come to where it cannot even describe or define what a woman is or what a man is and they are so confused about these things that is still part of the so-called foolishness so-called intelligence of modern thinkers which is actually foolishness and then there's still the definition of prosperity and you see people defining prosperity in terms of financial gain all of this is the spirit of the world being adopted by the church people have so departed from the right way that they hold the opinions of a few philosophers so-called to be more trustworthy than the truths of the bible now people say follow the science follow the science even christians now they say it follow the science follow the science i thought it was follow the bible how come it's follow the science these days well the truth is that true science is not against the bible it is science falsely so-called that is not in harmony with the bible so if you indeed follow the science you will arrive in the word of god but the truth is that the bible is above the science brothers and sisters it is not follow the science it is follow the bible the word of god will explain things in deeper sense to you that your science cannot explain there are many things that goes on even today that science cannot still explain they are still baffled by them but the word of god will go beyond science to give you instruction beforehand even though you may not understand it and if you follow the word of god you are safe it is not follow the science that makes you safe but following of the word of god so that's how far the world has so conformed the, the, the church has so conformed to the world they think that the world is more intelligent than the word of god and so you see it manifest in their principles their practices their ideas and i cannot say all the ideas but there are still even maxims that the world follows that the church follows today that they adopted from the world then there's still the practices in our personal lives and in the church that we see we are copying from the world you see churches that have been following the right things and then they start to follow the world in doing things like dance in the church drama in the church worldly music in the church have you heard people sing in the church you mean that's how worldly have become i remember pointing this to someone and the person thought there was nothing wrong with it but maybe as i point it to you now you'll realize it this person thought that there was nothing wrong with singing this song in church because the song seems to be the best very nice song of unity we know the song from michael jackson we are the world we are the children if you sing it oh, we are the world we are the children i want to make the world a better place and then children come and sing the song in the church we are the world <laughs> very funny indeed are you can you hear yourself we are the world what does the bible say about the world first john chapter 2 verse 15 love not the world neither the things that are in the world what did jesus say in john 16 verse 33 be of good cheer i have overcome the world what did he say what did james say james 4 verse 4 you adulterers and adulteresses know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity against god we are here to overcome the world first john 5 verse 4 whatsoever is born of god overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith and then today churches are teaching their children to sing in children's day and in other times when there's war and the rest of sing we are the world well i beg to excuse myself 
by the grace of God and by his power and not by my own strength, I will not be the world and I am not the world. And I hope you join me in saying that this is how far we have conformed to the world. We see ourselves one with them that we can bring such songs as we are the world into the church. And our eyes are so darkened that we cannot even discern, realize ourselves. What was I just singing now? We are the world. To us, it's a Christian song. That's how far it has gone. We are now looking at that song. We are the world. We are the children. We are the world to make the world a better place. Let's start giving and all of that. And everybody looks at it as a wonderful, godly, beautiful song. But that's not what it is. I tell you what it is. It is a worldly song. Nothing more than the, the epitome of worldly song. You can even say that that is the anthem of worldliness. For one to sing in his song, we are the world. We are the children. We are you are trying to protect the world, conserve worldliness, ensure that the world is not destroyed. Mm-hmm. That is what the world is about. And who are the people that sang it? Did they recognize God? No. But that is just how far we have gone in worldliness. Like I said, even in the dramas, they bring drama into the church today to entertain themselves. The word of God is not entertaining enough. It doesn't captivate the people enough. So they need to give them something to liven them up because the people are so bored. Why are they bored? It's not because they are so worldly that the word of God cannot keep them excited and their hearts cannot burn within them as they study the word of God. Some sleep under the word of God and then they blame the word of God and say, oh, we have to change things the way things are done in the church. And then how about the hairstyles? They copy that one too. Definition of growth, same thing. They say, oh, church growth is when church numbers are increasing. Is that really what church growth is? When church numbers are increasing? When the number of the members are increasing? That's not church growth. That's just increasing numbers. And you can do anything to increase the numbers. It is just to, you can even just pay people and give them money and they come to your church. You see, when you look at your hospitals, your schools, your educational curriculum, copying the world also, the weddings, the burials, the birthdays, celebration of personalities, all of this christians are copying the world and they are saying make us a king like the other nations they want to be like everyone else we don't want to be different we're tired of being odd and singular straight laced which we are it is very very uncomfortable make us like the world and so they bring the things of the world into the church mind character and personality volume 2 page 557 paragraph 4 says the truth of god has not been magnified in his believing people because they have not brought it into their personal experience. They conform to the world and depend upon it for their influence. They allow the world to convert them and introduce the common fire to take the place of the sacred that they may, in their line of work, meet the world's standard. There must not be these efforts made to ape the world's customs. This is common, not sacred fire. The living bread must not only be admired, but eaten. That bread which cometh down from heaven will give life to the soul. It is the living which absorbs all the elements of the character into a oneness with the character of Christ and molds the objectionable hereditary and cultivated tendencies after the divine similitude. End of quote. Now, like I said earlier, copying the world. Why? Bringing in strange fire into the house of God. One way and I want to bring that up is in the weddings. Look at the way Christians do their weddings today. The Bible says marriage is honorable and the bed undefiled. It's supposed to be a sacred thing. But what do we see today? Weddings which ought to be moments of holiness and sacredness, yet characterized with joy, the joy that should be due to it, is now converted to moments of glee and idolatrous feasting. Men of dignity use that opportunity to let loose. Christians 
children of the Lord, you see them on that day, they, 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 they'll go berserk. They, they just let loose. Let, let's, just, let's just lose ourselves this day. And then they enter into the partying and shame themselves in all kinds of foolishness that even they will be ashamed to look at only a few moments or days later. The church literally looks to the world and selects styles from it which are wholly opposed to Christian principles. Like we have said before, if you are looking at something in the world that is not contrary to the word of God, then go ahead. But when it is contrary to the principles of the word of God and you are copying it, wow. That is indeed what the children of Israel did say, make to us a king like the nations around us. Uh, From the worldly music played in the weddings to the low neck gowns worn by the women where you see their breasts are all falling out, all but pouring out of their body, overflowing out of their clothes. The church cannot be differentiated from the world again. It's just the same thing that's going on. The top worldly musicians that do not know anything of sacredness are invited to the weddings. Then there's a comedian which is called the master of the occasion, master of ceremony, prepared to take the place of the real master, Jesus Christ. Was it that comedian that ordained weddings that you make him a master of the ceremony? And somebody will say, oh, he's taking this thing too far. Am I really taking it too far? Ask the Lord whether he's taking it too far. Do you think the Lord doesn't take note of these things? Do you think he's indifferent to it? Do you think he just looks at it as something to pass by? That you would come to the weddings and bring in the people of the world and call them the master of the ceremony to do things that the word of God condemns. Ephesians chapter 5 reading from verse 3. Neither foolish talking nor jesting which is not convenient and then added to that is even fornication. Jesting is put on the same level as fornication. He says let it not be once named among you and then we bring these people in the weddings to do the things that they do then there's a drunkenness and the reveling the church has lost it christians have gone far from their master you see them copy the world and they do entry bridal entry and then what do they play in that entry they play the worldly music and you see my oh my i tell you the truth i never knew anything about this bridal entry until recently that was about uh, two years ago and when i saw this i wondered i mean in the way the people dance the sensuality the arousal the things that are done intentionally to bring about evil thoughts in the mind in a place that is called the christian wedding the church is copying the world and then there is still the one of the burials the bible says in the book of ecclesiastes chapter 7 reading from verse 2 to 4 it says it is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting for that is the end of all men and the living will lay it to heart sorrow is better than laughter for by the sadness of the countenance the heart is made better the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning but the heart of fools is in the heart of mirth what did the writer intend in these statements he was referring to the places where for example there is a burial taking place so supposed to be a house of mourning remember when moses and aaron died were there parties done for them they mourned 30 days and what about jacob the same thing what about joseph the same thing you don't see them do parties because somebody died at good old age how old was moses 120 how old was aaron 123 how old was uh, jacob about the same age and joseph they died in good old age but today people give excuses say, oh the man died in good old age that is the reason why we have to party but not so with god's people when people died 
whether old or young, it was supposed to be a time of mourning. Once upon a time, burials were places of mourning and sober reflection. Like the Bible says, it is better to go to such places, but not so anymore. The customs and traditions of the land are followed even when they outrightly contradict Bible principles. What, what do you see? You see people, they carry dead bodies on their shoulders dancing with the dead bodies forward backward left right and then there's the ambulance all of that and then they bring a higher live bands to come there and play music and then they kill animals some places they even kill up to seven cows just to take so-called give the burials to people who have died and what they call it again rite of passage imagine the name they give to it rite of passage the person has gone already nobody's giving the person any rite of passage he's already dead but this is what Christians are copying today. Or will I say they never even left it? Some people never left it. It was just something they always did and they still do it till today. And then there's still the one of education and the manner of preaching for ministers. Today, instead of studying the word of God so that you can be qualified, people want to study the, the writings and works of men. Paul, I want us to learn something from the life of Paul and how he learned to teach the word of God instead of using the academia but rather having the Holy Spirit to lead. Reading from Ministry of Healing, page 213. It says, Many suppose that in order to, teach, to reach the higher classes, a manner of life and method of work must be adopted that will be suited to their fastidious tastes. An appearance of wealth, costly edifices, expensive dress, equipage and surroundings, conformity to worldly customs, the artificial polish of fashionable society, classical culture, the graces of oratory are thought to be essential. Take note of that last one. The graces of oratory. This is an error. The way of worldly policy is not God's way of reaching the higher classes. That which will reach them effectually is a consistent, unselfish presentation of the gospel. The experience of the Apostle Paul in meeting the philosophers of Athens has a lesson for us. In presenting the gospel before the court of Areopagus, Paul met logic with logic, science with science, philosophy with philosophy. The wisest of his hearers were astonished and silenced. His words could not be controverted. Let me pause. What, what do you expect next? That he will convert a lot of people, right? Go and read it in the Word of God in the book of uh, Acts. Paul, Paul had only very few converts, even though he convinced the people. I'll continue to read it. It says, But the effort bore little fruit. Few were led to accept the gospel. Henceforth, Paul adopted a different manner of labor. He avoided elaborate arguments and discussion of theories, and in simplicity, Appointed men and women to Christ as the Savior of sinners. Writing to the Corinthians of his work among them, he said, I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with the excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. End of quote. 
So even now, there's still that copying of the world in their educational system and their worldly curriculums. And theologians, pastors, now they go, they want to be known by the name theologians. They want to be answering doctor and all of that. And then when they want to speak, they cannot speak to the layman anymore. They will want to use grammar and ex- expressions of oratory to give a sense of pomp and pride to those who are of the so-called educated class but how many can you lead to christ through all that pomp and pride and wonderful oratory how many can you reach with it like paul was only able to reach a few so also it will be and it has always been with us today we must let the holy spirit's unction do the work and it's in its simplicity not thinking that is by our oratory and like all those other things we read the equipage and expensive dress and costly edifices and appearance of wealth and the surroundings not all those things not those things that convinces it is the spirit of god but what has been the effect of conformity to the world people will say to themselves oh we are trying to do these things so that we can win them like we read in devotion christians are constantly seeking to imitate the practices of those who worship the god of this world many urge that by uniting with worldlings and conforming to their customs they might exert a stronger influence over the ungodly is that really true let us see what has been the influence what are we really trying to do in trying to win them win them to what well i think i know where the problem is some people are just trying to win people to their church and not to the truth so it doesn't matter whether you drop some standards as far as they have started attending your church then they are fine then when you do that you are doing your own thing that is not christianity christianity is about leading people to the truth not to the church if it is to lead people to your church then you just do what people want to want you to do and let them feel comfortable in your church and they will come but you are not leading them to god you are not leading them to christ you are not saving them from their sins if you have to conform to their own practices which is sinful so that they can come to what be saved from sin how can you save somebody from sin by sinning yourself how can you say you want to change the world and change your own ways and when you are changing your ways you are sinning against god and in doing that how can you win them over but like i said the problem with this is that people have become so denomination conscious now it's about my church my denomination so it's a competition to win people to my denomination so what do i do i drop the standards a bit and make myself to be like them so that they can feel comfortable where i am meanwhile i have excluded jesus from the picture it's now a man-centered worship not a god-centered one that is the result of conforming to the world it never changes the world and um, conforms the church to the world reading from great controversy five, page 509 it says conformity to worldly customs converts the church to the world it never converts the world to christ familiarity with sin will inevitably cause it to appear less repulsive he who chooses to associate with the servants of satan will soon cease to fear their master i'll say end of quote so that's all that is what else does it do conformity gradually perverts right principles that is from uh mind character and personality volume 2 page 558 reading from paragraph 3 says it is conformity to the world that is causing our people to lose their bearings the perversion of right principles has not been brought about suddenly the angel of the lord presented this matter to me in symbols it seemed as if a thief was stealthily moving closer and still closer and gradually but surely stealing away the identity of god's work by leading our brethren to conform to worldly 
policies. The mind of man has taken the place that rightfully belongs to God. Whatever position a man may hold, however exalted he may be, he should act as Christ would were he in his place. In every stroke of of work that he performs, in his words and his character, he should be Christ-like. End of quote. So one way people are conforming is in the policies. If Christ were to come into the churches of today, he would be rejected and thrown away because he will not fit into the policies of operation being used by the churches of today. Creeds and church manuals that are far removed from Bible principles are what is reigning in the churches today. Following the professionalism learned in the corporate world, the church is now being run by barristers, lawyers, politicians and rich businessmen and they bring in their worldly policies to operate the church and neglect the statutes of the Lord. What is a Christian? according to the word of God. Is it a lawyer? Today, once you just call yourself an educated person and you have your masters and doctorate and the rest, the church recognizes you as a leader in the church. Why? Because you were educated in the world then you are now a leader in the church and you find out that these people don't even know their onions. Some of them cannot even be able to tell the true doctrines of the word of God and to differentiate truth from error. Yet they are giving positions, policies from the world and the way the world operates are now brought into the church. Working policy is written down. But when you check that working policy, it does not bear the test in the word of God. It rather is contrary many times, I'm not saying all the time, but many times it is against principles in the word of God. So, who is a Christian really and how do you know that? Reading from the book In Heavenly Places, page 168, paragraph 3, we are told, A Christian, as described by the scriptures, is a person who is separated from the world in his aims and practices and is united with Christ, a possessor of the peace which Christ alone can bestow, finding that the joy of the Lord is his strength and that his joy is full. Christians will not leave the world to perish unwarned and make no effort for the reclaiming of the lost. Those who truly love Christ watch for every opportunity to employ the means at their command in doing good and in patterning after the works of Christ. They will not yield to the temptations to make alliances with the world. They will not unite with secret orders and bind themselves by intimacies with unbelievers. But those who are not wholly on the side of Christ are to a large degree controlled by the maxims and customs of the world. End of quote. My brothers and sisters, hear ye the word of the Lord in Jeremiah 10 verse 1. The Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven. For the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs, the customs, the practices of the world are vain. Of the people, they are vain. So there is no way, we, 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 we should not conform to the world but because it makes us vain the customs of the people are vain and when we copy it it makes us also vain the result of yielding to the world eventually will be final apostasy and then the people will be lost reading from prophets and kings page 188 it says the time is not far distant when the test will come to every soul the observance of the false Sabbath will be urged upon us. The contest will be between the commandments of God and the commandments of men. Those who have yielded step by step to worldly demands and conform to worldly customs will then yield to the powers that be, rather than subject themselves to derision, insult, threatened imprisonment, and 
death. At that time, the gold will be separated from the dross. End of quote. So conformity to the world to the world will eventually lead us to receiving the mark of the beast and separated from receiving the seal of God. What is the solution to this? We need to study the word of God, humble ourselves, change our ideas and practices, and accept what the word of God says. Do not feel odd. Do not feel left out. Kill that desire to always want to look like the rest of the world. Stand in your God-given heritage and do not reject your birthright that the Lord has given you to be different from the world. Do not be like Esau. Value your birthright and don't throw it away. Reading from Mind, Character and Personality, Volume 2, page 561, we are told, Conformity to the world can be prevented by the truth, by feeding on the word of God, by its principles circulating through the entire life current and working out that word in the character. Christ exhorts us by the Apostle John to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 1 John 2 verse 15. This is plain language, but it is God's measure of every man's character. End of quote. Finally, the question to be settled for us is this. Are we willing to separate ourselves from the world? So that we can become the children of God as it is written in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Touch not the unclean thing. Come out from among them and I will be a father unto you and you will be my sons and daughters. Are we ready? This is not the work of a moment of a day. It is a lifelong work. Love to God must be a living principle underlying every act and word and thought. Love to God. That is from In Heavenly Places, page 167, paragraph 5. If we do not love God, we will eventually still snowball into conformity to the world. It is that lack of love for God that is the problem. And how can we love him when we don't know him? How can we know him if we are not studying? Studying of the word of God will help us to know him. And by the time you behold him, you will become changed and you will love to be like him and you will not feel that longing to conform to the world. Pray for the love of God to be shared in your heart and in mind too. Because this is the solution to the apostasy of conformity to the word of God. If you tell people now you are in apostasy, they look at it as a bad word to use on them. But who else will it be used on if it is not people who are conforming to the world? That word was it not invented or is not, does it not exist for describing a state where people have left the true uh, practices that their God has given them and are doing something different? Is that not what apostasy is? If as an individual you are doing that, have you not apostatized? It's better you accept you to yourself and say, yes, I am wretched. Yes, I'm miserable, poor, blind and naked. Than to defend yourself saying, no, I have not apostatized. If you have, admit it and pray to the Lord to put love in your heart that you may be transformed and revived into the image of God. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for the words we've heard now. As usual, they're appointed, they're startling. But I pray for your children, I pray for myself also, that you will help us to not go into defense. Help us, Lord, to admit what we have done in requiring for us a king, just like the children of Israel, to wanting to be like everyone else. Help us, Lord, not to defend and say, oh, we are not like them, whereas we really are. And I pray especially, shed your love in our hearts. It's that lack of love that makes us to run away from you and copy the world. Forgive us for these things, Lord, and help us, Lord, to value you for what you are, to see the matchless charms 
in Emmanuel and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do this for us, O Lord, and take the glory in Jesus' name of God. Amen. Thank you.